Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So, is it just me or does it seem that Christmas now begins at the 4th of July? Like, I kid you not, I think Stein's already had Christmas trees up on July 5th, and like from there forward, stores just kept adding and adding, and to the point now, like when you get to Thanksgiving, it's like, is Thanksgiving even really a holiday anymore? Don't we just call that like pre-Christmas? Because really, I mean, we're just driving home this whole idea of Christmas needs to be more than just a day, but really the season. And the debate should be this, when should you start listening to Christmas music? Now, my, my friends, who will not be named in case they listen to this podcast, begin when it's still warm outside. And, and if you're one of those people who puts Christmas music while it's still warm outside, God bless you, you have a problem. <laughs> like, I love Christmas music. I love the whole thing. I love the festivities. But for me, I, the jingle mood really has to begin the day after Thanksgiving. Then, like, I'm all in, give me a month, and I'm good. But do you know that people get Christmas burnout? That they said statistically 40% of people are burned out of Christmas by the time that they get to the 25th. All the hustle, all the bustle, all the ugly Christmas sweaters, all the running around. And all of this is happening because it takes so much preparation. Think of how much time you spend personally getting ready for Christmas. You have decorations, you have cooking and cookies and baking and all those things. You have to go to parties pretty much every weekend. You have to get all your outdoor lights on. I tried doing that yesterday in the rain. That was a hoot. Um, And then you've got all the gift buying and then you have family dynamics. Like, I'm sure there's some tension in this room when it comes to Christmas and who's going where, and if, you, if you're a young couple right now and you're in that debate of who gets Christmas Day and who gets Christmas Eve, you know that enjoy, it's going to be your whole life. <laughs> Fact. But we do so much to get ready for Christmas. Take a look at this uh, chart that we have here. Um, in this chart, it goes, this is a chart I found that does what you should be doing eight weeks before Christmas starts. Get your holiday budget, start getting gift ideas, take your family photo, okay? Seven weeks before, you start making a calendar, order your online presents. Yeah, right. (laughs) Amazon comes in two days, man. I'm good. (laughs) Six weeks before, decide who's hosting Christmas. Hey, young couples, decide before six weeks. I'm just warning you. Make an address list. Five weeks before, order your Christmas cards and do a Christmas supplies inventory check. Okay, we're just ramping up. Let's keep moving along here. You get four weeks before you should buy and decorate your Christmas tree, Black Friday, mail gifts, so on and so forth. Three weeks before, pass out the advent calendars for the first day of de- on the first day of December. Little chocolate ones. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to go old school here. And this is for all my 80s friends here growing up in the 80s. There was something really cool back in the day. Now, we all wanted the chocolate, but there's an advent calendar that was a scratch and sniff advent calendar because we love scratch and sniff stickers as 80s kids man 
and you'd scratch like, oh, it smells like cinnamon, right? Like, you know you're an 80s kid when you remember scratch and sniff advent calendars. So then you go two weeks before, you start planning your Christmas Eve and Christmas Day menus, start your cooking timeline, you start ordering things, and then we keep moving on to the time of Christmas. It's all ramping up. The week before, all your grocery shopping, put up your stockings. The week of Christmas, begin wrapping your gifts. Ah, I got the day before Christmas for that. Make a playlist with your favorite holiday tunes. You all know you're doing that beforehand. Christmas Eve, have a Christmas movie marathon. Do your Christmas Eve traditions. Leave out cookies for Santa. Put all the gifts under the tree on Christmas Day. Make your favorite themed drinks. Open your presents and make a list of what you received for your thank you notes. Eight weeks of preparing for Christmas, not one time does it mention Jesus Christ. Not once. And there's a lot to be said about getting ready for Christmas. It is fun. There are festivities. There are songs. There are all these things. But we have turned as a culture away from the fact of why this time exists. A king was born to save the world. And I am guilty of focusing more time on what gifts I'm getting than I am of getting ready for the king. Do you know that in your lifetime, you'll spend approximately one and one half years, think about this, one and a half years of your years on life will be spent preparing Christmas. One and a half years. The average person spends preparing just for Christmas. According to a Gallup study, American adults are projected to spend approximately, get this, in 2019, $920 per person, which is up from $885 per person last year on gift spending. Overall, $1 trillion will be spent on giving gifts. And according to the study, this is what it breaks down to, if we show this slide. 33% are expected to spend at least $1,000. 33%. That means one in three of you will spend $1,000 on gifts. 22% ex uh, are expected to spend between $500 and $999. 29 are expected to spend gifts between $100 and $499. Now, mind you, this is per person. 3% plan to spend less than $100. You put a lot of money into your gift giving and, and gift giving and decorations it's an expensive holiday. In fact, it's so expensive that a lot of times that little plastic card is really easy. You just keep ripping through that. Well, Johnny has to have this. Johnny won't live without that. And you get all these gifts to express our appreciation for someone because the greatest gift of all Jesus Christ was given to us 2,000 years ago. So much time goes into preparing for Christmas, and it is a good thing. But what if we took this Christmas in 2019 to do something totally radically different and we just stop and pause? What would happen if each one of us in this room spent $920 per person that you're going to give on those who are in need? What would it look like if $920 of gifts per person went to help broken people? saw this fantastic thing online on Facebook that said, um, if you want to live a life like Jesus, then help the poor, serve the needy, and give everything you have away, because that's what our king came to do. Our world, it's a contrast. 
And there's nothing wrong with celebration. There's nothing wrong with gift giving. There's nothing wrong with these things. I know you're hearing my heart when I say this. I'm just saying, when did Jesus get pushed out of the picture? Like, when did he get pushed to the side so that we spend all of our time and energy on celebrations of something that we forget why we're celebrating? But as a church, I am challenging us, that little saying, Jesus is the reason for the season, that's an 80s coin too, right? Maybe we take that back. And we celebrate remembering who really came to save us. And so if you've never celebrated Advent, or if you come from a main line, like a, a Lutheran tradition, it's very uh, embedded in some, of our, in some of our practices there, and that side, my family had that as well. Um, if you haven't celebrated it before, or it's new to you, I'm telling you, this is such a wonderful time of slowing down. And as a family, what does it mean for us to celebrate the coming of Jesus? It's simple. You can go to Stein's. You can buy an Advent. We got that at Stein's. I think it was six ninety nine. Actually on sale, Black Friday, $4.99. So you can get one of those <laughs> wreaths. You can put it and you light candles to remember the king. If you don't, we will together be celebrating because we want to take time to remember Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If you have an app or a phone, feel free to jump to that. There's Bibles on the end if you'd like to use a Bible there. But Matthew 3, 1 through 3 is a story of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was one who's coming to take, make a, a clear path for the king. It says this, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Years before John the Baptist, a prophet Isaiah was prophesying that God was going to send a Messiah. He was going to send someone to save everybody. And so for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, was waiting, 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 waiting for this one to come. And John, in that passage in Matthew, they're quoting Isaiah, that one would come to prepare the people for the coming of the king. The people were supposed to get ready, to prepare themselves, prepare their hearts, to get ready that the king was coming. And this is huge because since the prophet Malachi, God has been silent. They start to question, is he really listening to us anymore? God, in their opinion, seems like he is completely gone. They haven't heard from him. No one has spoken about him. For him, there hasn't been a prophet. And so since this time, they're waiting, waiting, waiting. Then John the Baptist comes. And he starts making this message, get ready, get ready. Now, this is important to understand. During the time of the arrival of Jesus, the nation of Israel was underneath the rule of Rome. And the rule of Rome was extremely frustrating. They were allowed to practice some of their things on their own. Religiously, they were given some freedoms. But at the same time, they're under the hand and had to pay taxes and had to give homage to Rome. And so they are waiting for God to free them. And God has freed the nation of Israel over and over and over again. And this special time, they're like, this is it. Here we go. Here's our guy. Here's our champion. We are back. They're waiting for someone to come and free them. They thought that the one coming would be like King David. King David, in the Old Testament, we read that he was their greatest king. He was their superhero. They, he was their champion. He was the Michael Jordan of their world. 
for you younger kids, the Kobe Bryants, for you yet younger kids, the LeBron James. <laughs> he was the one who's going to bring home everything. King David was so renowned and so revered and so loved. They said, here comes the next King David. He's going to rule over all of us. We are going to have a mighty army. He's going to free us. And Israel is going to be on top of the world again. Then some thought he was going to be the one like Moses. Moses released and was part of the story of Israel getting free from the rule of Egypt and the Egyptians. He will be like Moses. He's going to come. We're no longer slaves. We're going to be out of here. Once again, Israel is on top of the world. Some thought he would be like Elijah. Elijah was a prophet who spoke the word of God. So he's going to come and he's going to be a direct connection to God. And he's going to tell us everything we need to do so that we are on top of the world again. And then maybe he's just a great mix of all three of those guys together. Like he's got a great army. He releases us from freedom, for freedom. At the same time, he's going to be the voice of God. Then comes John, preparing the people for the king. John was preparing them in John 1.9. For thousands of years, they're waiting for the one, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they're waiting, waiting, waiting. They're waiting for the king. This message of preparation caused quite a buzz. People start talking about this. There's this guy out there. He's homeless. He wears camel hair. He eats like bugs and like eat, drinks honey. And he's out there like some crazy guy. Like, y'all need to get saved. And, and he's like, you repent, you repent. And he's taking him and he's dunking him in water. Like, who's next? John the Baptist. In my mind, John the Baptist is just hardcore, man. Like, he's a manly man, you know? He's like, you need to be saved, brother. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm in, you know? And so they're waiting, waiting, waiting. And Matthew 3, 5 through 6 says this about what was happening. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the, of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan water. This is another huge thing that you've probably skipped over every time you're reading this. The people of Israel were already God's chosen people. And they believe because of their culture they're in. I'm Jewish. I'm in. I'm with God. And then this guy's coming saying, you guys need to repent. Now, they would repent as an entire nation. They had ceremonies. They had rituals. And that was all things that God set up in the Old Testament. Then comes this crazy guy with camel hair, eating bugs, super serious, telling people to start repenting. And he goes out there and people are hearing about this and they're going out to listen to this guy's message. And the people were coming, and they were individually repenting of their sin. That wasn't done in their culture. They were going and saying, I've messed up. I need to be in a right alignment with God. I am sorry. And, and I just picture him, you're right. He takes their head and dunks them, like, and moves on. So, but everybody's talking about this guy, talking about the one who is coming. Get right. One of the most interesting facts of our Christmas season as we begin and we start to prepare is John the Baptist told people to get ready for the coming king by repenting. Turn around from what you're doing. Have you ever thought about that? That the whole Christmas season started with a way being prepared of the people of Israel repenting. We have messed up. I have messed up. I am sorry. I am wrong. We don't think of that often. 
And one of the reasons why we don't think of that is because when we are in our lives and we are working through the things of our lives and things go wrong and we know that we're not living according to God's way and we know that Jesus forgave us for those who are followers of Christ, he forgives us, sin just starts to become, I'm forgiven, it's not a big deal. It's okay, I'm already forgiven and sin can start to become, I shouldn't do it, but eh. And that happened for the nation of Israel as well. And the nation of Israel was confronted by a man who was prophesied thousands of years before to say, it's time to get ready. He's coming. He's coming. You know how I'm going to get you ready? You're going to turn back to God. Turn away from this. Sin is a big deal. The lawlessness that you guys live in is a big deal. It's a huge deal. We can't live apart from God any longer. We have to live the way that he is asking us to live. And so repenting is a huge deal for these people. It turned from we are Israel, God's chosen people, to I have failed and I need someone to save me. The message went from a group of people to the individual. The transition here is beautiful. Get ready, the one who is coming to take away your sins. Not just the nation of Israel. I know that there is a king coming who is going to free all of us. He's coming. Get ready. The way that you're going to understand and receive him is you need to repent. That was the first marker for the people to be able to even hear the message of Jesus, to even get ready for the one. And then as we read later on in the story, a lot of people came and listened to his message. And a lot of people repented. And then we move on with Jesus and we see people did listen to Jesus. People did change their lives. People did change the way they lived. But we also read that a lot of people didn't and those are the people that killed them. And so you've got this interesting story as we begin our Christmas season. How do we prepare our hearts and our souls and our minds and our everything to get ready for Christmas? It's called repentance. Now, Repent is a huge word. It's a big word. It's kind of a churchy word. So I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to tell a story. Let's pretend that you wanted to parachute out of a plane, okay? You're going to go parachuting. And you have paid a lot of money to go on the skydive opportunity. If you've skydove before, God bless you. I hope you had fun. I will not see you there. So you get in this plane, you pay the money, you go through the training, you're all set to go. Get up there, you're psyched, you're ready, you get to the door and you say, there's not a chance that I'm jumping out of this plane. And there's an instructor behind you. An instructor saying, come on, let's go, let's go, we can do this, you can do this. And you have the coldest feet ever. And you get out to the edge of the plane and you're looking down. And as you look down, you see the thousands of feet that are between you and this plane. You start to think, what if my parachute doesn't open? What if I didn't pack it right? What if this secondary ripcord doesn't work? What if this happens here? What if my lines get all tangled up? What if, what if I hit my head, jump out of the plane, and you start to think about all the things that are going on. You stand at the edge of the plane, and you say, not a chance. But the instructor that you can do it. You can do it. And you say, absolutely not. You turn back from the plane, and you refuse to go out. That's what repentance is. It's not just simply standing 
on the edge of a thing saying, ah, maybe I'll jump, maybe I won't. You have completely changed your entire mind that there's no way I'm jumping out of this plane. I'm done. And so you literally turn away from the door and you walk back the opposite way. Repentance is a change of direction. It's an easy way to think about it. Repentance is changing your way of thinking, which will change your attitude, which will change your values, which will change how you live. Let me repeat that again because I really want this to sink in. Repentance is change your way of thinking, which will change your attitude, which will change your values, which will change how you live. Now, we all struggle with sin, and we've been through a lot of stuff, and there are sin issues, and there's addictions, and there's all these things that grip us. It's the, the hard part of being human is we're never going to be freed of that issue. We have to keep fighting for it. And one of the things about repentance is that I'm turning away from this godlessness and I want to go in a different direction. It begins with the change of thinking. When you think it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal to you. Now, I can tell you whatever that sin is, it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Unless you change your mind, it's not going to change anything. The instructor can sit behind the person and say, I'm going to tell you this. You are totally good. You can jump. I checked everything. You're not going to die. I'm with you the whole time. Give all these facts of truth. But until that person changes their way of thinking, they can't even get to that point of jump. They've decided I am not going to jump. And repentance starts with a change of thinking, which then changes your attitude. When I think maybe this, is, this isn't right, my attitude then says I don't want to be a part of it. Now, when you don't want to be a part of something, you now have this resilience about you and your whole attitude about the sin issue changes. And as our sin issue and our attitude about it changes, it starts to change our values. Think about this. Someone who you've met who is high integrity. If, it's, if you claim you're the person with the high integrity, we'll talk about humility. That's a different story. But high integrity. They do what they know is right. They are the same person in the dark as they are in the light. Okay? When you look at that person and you see how they live, you see a value system that's different or countercultural to a non-integrous person. There's a value system that starts to get engaged. And our value system as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are God's values. That which he finds valuable, I find valuable. God hates sin. I hate sin. Why? Because sin is a disease that kills humans. And we read in the Bible, sin actually destroys the world. And so we value now, like, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be away from that. So I change my value system. When my value system is changed, how I live is now changed forever. Because I choose not to do that. It's not even a question mark. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. When you have made that sort of acceptance and you've changed the way that your attitude is, and you start to wait, redo your values, you start to rethink the way you live, all of a sudden you say, wow, maybe sin isn't that hard once I decide I don't want to be a part of it. That actually our sin issues really begin that either we haven't changed our thinking, you haven't changed your attitude, you haven't changed your values, or you haven't changed the way you live. One of those are dysfunctive. And in that, that's because of our humanness. So we're constantly working over and over again to rid ourselves of this. Now we flash all the way backwards back to John the Baptist. That's what he was doing. 
guys, we got to return back. We have to go back to the way God wants us. The Advent candle, the hope candle, there is a waiting period of Israel for the Messiah to come to free them. There's a great hope and an expectation. And this Christmas, I'm going to ask us something huge, that we as a church would prepare our hearts for the coming king the same way that John the Baptist, that we would repent. Now, I don't know your sins, so if you please all write them down and send them to me, P.O. Box 37. No, I'm just totally kidding. Because my list, I've got like three sheets, guys. But what I am seriously saying is that would you consider for Advent, consider this preparation to take an inventory to prepare your heart for a king who has come to save the world. Yes, we are forgiven. Those in Christ are forgiven. We understand that fact. But do we need to repent and turn back to the way of God? Because you can be forgiven and still have a heart that's cold. And so this morning, we're going to do some some really cool things. Uh, We're going to be celebrating communion today, as well as we're going to be taking a time to reflect on this passage. Underneath your chairs, you're going to see some cards. Um, please, please grab that card. Uh, that card, I'm going to give you some time here before we come to communion. It says on the card, prepare for the king. In the pouches underneath there, there are also pens, uh, mosaic pens. Should have had you grab both at the same time. I'm totally sorry for that. What must you do to prepare for the coming of the king. And in this, as you're preparing, take this in the context of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. We're about to celebrate communion and reflect on this, that because of what we're about to celebrate, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We're already forgiven. If Christ is not your Savior, let me encourage you with something this morning. If you're thinking about Christianity, you're processing this, like, I don't know if this thing is real. I'm just simply going to tell you this. I know and have been around those who choose not to follow Jesus Christ. I have chosen to give my life to the cause of this King. I I would not give up one day of it because every day when I wake up in the morning, I have a purpose and a reason. And that's to bring the message of love into the world, to love the God who saved me, and to bring hope. My, my journey, my story as a follower of Christ is that I'm on the journey with Jesus, carrying the message 2,000 years later that there's a king who came to save you. I encourage you to look at that challenge. I encourage you to seek out that there is a better life, both here on earth for those who follow Christ, and also for what it looks like in heaven. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is going to give you a car. He doesn't work like that. That's not our God. Our God gives you a reason, a purpose, and our God turns us into family. You are then a son and daughter of the king. I'm not seen as a slave. I'm seen as a family member and a friend. Scriptures tell us that. It blows my mind. And so maybe Advent for you would be giving your life to Christ. Maybe Advent for you and preparing for the king is repenting. And those cards are for you. We're not going to collect them. Those are yours. Be as honest as you want of them. 
think through it. Maybe uh, you want to fill them out more later. But those are yours. I'm going to challenge you to put it somewhere you see it for the next four weeks, on a mirror, in your car, and keep thinking, adding to the list, how can I prepare for the coming of the king? I'm going to read this verse to you one more time from Matthew 3, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Mosaic, let's make our paths straight for him. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.